Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. Just a quick intro for this one. In this interview, we are speaking to Hamilton Souther, who is a shaman in ayahuasca experiences. Now, if you haven't heard about ayahuasca before, you're about to learn a lot about it in this interview. And Hamilton runs his own business called Blue Morpho, where you can head down to the Amazon rainforest and have your own ayahuasca retreats. But he also does retreats with cannabis as a psychedelic and also San Pedro cacti as well. It's a really cool interview. We discuss loads of really cool, interesting things. And if you are into psychedelics at all, or even into cannabis as a psychedelic, you will enjoy this interview here. So make sure you roll yourself a fat one, get super high and get stuck in on this episode. I will speak to you at the end of this. Enjoy. Sweet. So thank you for joining us, Hamilton. And how am I pronouncing your surname correctly when I say Souther? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Souther, Souther, all of them work. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us, man. Ryan Sprague introduced us and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I am Mackie. I am the host of the show. We also have the co-host Monkey Do. Monkey, I'm from the UK, by the way. I should add that. And uh, <laughs> not Australia, regardless of what they say. Uh, <laughs> and Monkey, you want to say hi, man? Hey, Hamilton. Monkey down here in the southeast United States around the Gulf of Mexico. Hope you're good today. Oh, thank you so much, Monkey. It's a pleasure to be here. I am good. I'm down in the Amazon, just for anyone who's listening. I'm uh, outside Damn. of the city of Iquitos. I am uh, literally in the Amazon rainforest, surrounded by That's it right now. damn cool, man. That's damn cool. You know, as you can tell by the name of the show, you're probably aware that we speak about cannabis most often. But yep. I also have a lot of interest in psychedelics, especially things like ayahuasca. I haven't done ayahuasca before, but it's something that I do plan to do in the future. But, you know, I, I like mushrooms and psilocybin, uh, the LSD. You know, I do like psychedelics as well. So I'm very much looking forward to speaking to you, man, and just picking your brain about all these sacred plants and psychedelics and things like that. Oh, thanks so much. And just so you know, I include cannabis right in there with all the other ones. So to me, mm-hmm. cannabis is is uh, equally amazingly visionary and an incredible medicinal plant and, uh, you know, huge around the world. So I think that this is a great place to talk about it. Nice. So do you want to introduce yourself so our listeners know who you are and what you do and stuff? Sure. My name's Hamilton Souther. I'm uh most known for being a master ayahuasca shaman and plant medicine shaman. I came down to the Amazon in my early 20s, 20 plus years ago, and uh, found my way into a lineage and went through formal apprenticeship and started Blue Morpho, which is an Amazonian retreat center and academy that teaches the mystic arts and medicine arts around ayahuasca, psilocybin, San Pedro, Huachuma, and cannabis. And I've been practicing for the last 30 years, or sorry, 20 years. And um, I'm also a technologist and interested in Web3, decentralized compute systems, AI, and the convergence of plant medicine, consciousness, human consciousness, technology, and really everything we're doing here on the planet. That's a list. That is damn. (laughs) What was the internet connection like down at the Amazon? Is it good? Uh, The internet was terrible until Starlink. And oh, Starlink, right. It's, cool. Uh, it's changed the game. So hey, you want Starlink uh, you know, shout now? Out. I am. Yeah. Shout out to wow. the Starlink guys for making it all possible. That's really cool, nice. man. Right. So the Amazon, that, that's an interesting place, man. And I hear Graham Hancock say loads of stuff about the Amazon and the old civilizations that could possibly have been there and things like that. Are, are you around any, any of those kind of sites, you know, like the, uh, the ancient sites like Machu Picchu and things like that. You know, those kind of sites, are you around any of those? Yeah, that's a little bit south from where we are, but uh, certainly a place that we visited a ton. Uh, we're outside of the city of Iquitos, which is in the northeastern part of Peru, just south of uh, Ecuador and Colombia and close to Brazil. And it's uh, just, you know, just forest. It's just, it's wow. the most remote city in the world, but we're an hour and a half outside of the city. And we're here at my lodge on... Uh, a big piece of land that we have that's a protected reserve and um, cool yeah and with the internet with satellite internet right in the middle of it 
That's so cool, man. Do you have celebrity? Because I've noticed over the last uh, over the last couple of years, really, because Joe Rogan speaks about it quite often, and I think it's raised the popularity in things like ayahuasca and DMT, and people are looking to do these kind of uh, not trips. That isn't the right word, but uh, the mind these, expanding. Yeah, the, these experiences. Yeah, they, yes. they. It seems like people are way more interested nowadays than they were in the past. And have you noticed there's been a rise recently in people coming to do these retreats? Yeah, it's been steady growth in terms of interest since I started. But uh, I noticed like before COVID shutdowns and then after that, during that time, there was just a huge expansion of interest online. And mm. that has uh, ultimately led as well to, you know, in people interested in having the experiences, going on retreats, uh, seeking medicine people. And I think it's growing exponentially around the world now. That's awesome. And it's about time. You know, these are important tools that have been left to us by Mother Nature, you know, and we should be using them as much as possible to expand our consciousness and be more at one with nature, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I agree. I mean, these these are our plants and mm -hmm. it's fundamentally hard for me to understand how, you know, that could even be in debate. And like, here's the earth. The earth is this magical place in the middle of outer space and it has grown plants, period. There they are. And they're here mm -hmm. for us. And mm -hmm. they've been here for us for millions of years and they're going to be here for us for millions of years. And humans have taken their attitudes about them and you know, created all sorts of propaganda and, and stories about mm -hmm. it. But fundamentally, there are plants, they're a kind of living technology, they're a kind of living consciousness. And uh, everyone who participates in the plant medicine space knows it, that, uh, you know, there's a merging of, of you and the plant. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, I look forward to thousands more years of humans utilizing these medicines for how profound and important they are. Damn. So where do you, are you from the USA, Canada? Where are you from? I'm originally from the United States. Yeah. From California. California. Cool. So how did it start for you? What's the start of your journey when it comes to ayahuasca and these kind of retreats? Because how have you gone from California down to the Amazon? Yeah. The year after I graduated from the university, I had a spontaneous awakening. And during that awakening, uh, I got very clear messages that I was going to go down to Peru and that there were people <laughs> waiting for me and I was going to ultimately meet them and train and uh, become a shaman. And uh, it was not on my radar. This was, you know, very far outside the box of my thinking at that time. And I went to Peru in 2001 seeking the truth or folly of these, you know, visions. And ultimately it all came true, which was... Uh, pretty wild experience in its own right. Mm. And I found the people that had had knowledge of me that I was coming and they agreed to train me and teach me. And I, uh, I went through that process with them and, and uh, ultimately formed Blue Morpho. And in that got introduced to the plant medicines and then got fully trained in them. Yeah, so cool, man. So would you, uh, had you tried DMT or ayahuasca be before you moved down, down to there? Is that what started to give you these visions? No, no, I hadn't. The visions just happened all by themselves. And right. uh, it was actually in my first ayahuasca ceremony when I saw that I would stay there and I would ultimately train in that plant modality. And um, that was a wild experience, man. That was a, by far the, the most altered state and intense uh, four to six hours I had ever had. Nice. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was mm -hmm. earth shattering for me and just incredible. And um yeah. And from those experiences, it was the last visions I had. I mean, I had visions for four hours straight and the last visions were that I was going to stay there and I was going to train and learn. And I was ultimately going to, um, you know, kind of make it through that process. And that mm -hmm. seemed also like an incredible impossibility, but that, those were the visions and they also came true. And there you are 20 years later, still doing it. Yeah. 20 years yeah. later, for sure. We just uh, a week ago, we finished up our uh, kind of biggest retreats of the year and I led 11 ayahuasca ceremonies in 14 days. Cool. That's awesome, man. So what is the score then? Do uh, people just come down from, well, come from all over the world, I suppose, to, to visit your retreat and then they do an ayahuasca ceremony? Yeah, I mean, we have two fundamental programs. One is our retreat where people come on healing retreat, personal self-discovery, exploration of the plants. Um, and on those retreats, we do four ceremonies. And uh, we also hold San Pedro Wachuma retreats too. 
And then cool. we've launched the Blue Morpho Academy where we're actually training people to be certified sitters, coaches, facilitators, and master facilitators of plant medicine experiences. Sweet. So just in case anybody doesn't know, uh, ayahuasca is uh, it's similar to DMT, right? It has DMT in it. And it's a, it's a certain plant mixed, a certain root mixed with a vine of a different plant. And it's uh, consumed orally rather than it being smoked, right? Is, that's about right. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah. it has uh, in the vine itself, it has an uh, MAOI, which allows the DMT to ultimately be ingested uh, orally. And typically it has to be smoked otherwise to be ingested. Ooh. So, uh, you know, the DMT is in the leaves of the chacruna tree. So you harvest these leaves that have the DMT in it and you uh, use the vine and you make a potent tea and you drink the tea. It has both the, the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna extract in it. And uh, ultimately, then you can absorb both of the, the medicinal uh, you know, chemicals and they both work on the brain. Both are, are psychoactive. So it's not just like the ayahuasca permits you to have a DMT experience. The ayahuasca experience is uh, it's very different to just a pure DMT experience because mm -hmm. of the, the nature of the ayahuasca vine in there as well. Mm -hmm. I've heard Graham Hancock speak about, speak about it before where uh, he says that, for, that he, they, nobody really knows how the people who originally used ayahuasca figured out to mix it with this particular vine because it's just some random thing. Is that right? Yeah, the guys I was trained with said that way back in time in history, there was a time when plants, animals, and humans all spoke a common language, and right. the plants told the people what to do with them, and that that's the origin of all their medicine. It's how they, <laughs> you know, they have hundreds of medicinal plants that they know of, and they say that then it got passed down generation after generation, and many generations ago, they lost that language, and humans started to create their own language to speak amongst themselves that was no longer a language shared by all. And they mm. say that's how it happened, but that's a mythology in its own right. I could just imagine it, you know, there's, there's one plant sitting there like, like, pick me, pick me. And then another one's there like, <laughs> now pick me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mix us together and drink us. <laughs> Are you sure you exactly. taste like soil? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it that is amazing is so cool. because the, the plants don't grow near each other. It's not mm -hmm. something that if you were walking through the forest, you would ever get the idea. Oh, I need to take that vine. There's a significant amount of preparation to make it mm. work. Um, there's like a whole series of steps uh, from mashing the vine and opening it up to be able to be extracted. Um, if you don't have it specifically with that vine, the, the chacruna leaves would never work. So it's mm -hmm. not like you could you know, have the chacruna leave in it on its own and get an experience, have the ayahuasca on its own, get an experience and come up with a great idea of combining them. It just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. it, you have to actually have them both combined to get any effect. It's crazy, man. It's like the machine elves or something, man. They were giving us clues. I don't know. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Something. It's just strange how the, how it works out like that. It's, it, I mean, what are the odds of that happening just by chance? It's not, it's, you know, it's, it baffles me, man. That's crazy. Yeah, and I think it was, uh, you know, the first science. I think this is, you know, earliest experimentation, mixing and mm -hmm. matching everything, learning from it. And uh, I don't have any reason to believe that the idea of some kind of shared communication was outside the realm of possibility at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So your first ayahuasca trip, because I love hearing about people's DMT and ayahuasca experiences, because I'm yet to do it, man. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm still trying to find the opportunity and it's just it's proving difficult but the ayahuasca experience it just sounds amazing and there's been so many people that i've uh, heard stories from where it's been compared to one of the most important experiences of their lives you know behind the birth of their kids their wedding day you know these big events that people have throughout their lives their ayahuasca experience seems to be compared on the same par of those sort of things is that what you find with your ayahuasca experience yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first experience of my life is, you know, with it was on par with that. It was up until that point, the most intense, terrifying, amazing, glorious uh, experience that I had had. And then subsequently, over the last 20 years, it has actually never disappointed. It's wow. still the most amazing, incredible 
a joyous, fascinating, uh, amazing series of experiences to have. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, the last ceremony I did with the group, we were calling on divinity source to be present in the ceremony and everyone's visions and to turn on like the, the light body of us, like the energetic spirit body. And um, I'm just, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger, but it still hasn't like really broken into visions yet. We're still on the onset phase, right? Mm -hmm. And then the first vision I have is of an explosion of light. My brain is like six feet wide and tall, bigger than my body, but it's still part of my body, but my brain is way outside my head. It's not like my head expanded. It's like the brain burst into light. There's the brain. And when that happened, six or eight people in the room all vomited at exactly the same time. <laughs> Damn. It's like, it's like, how do you, how do you explain that? Like, that is so fascinating. Yeah, that, that happened. It was instantaneous, right? So we're calling mm. on it and then it happens in the vision. And then there's wow. a response in the room and, you know, just so incredible. Yeah, this is because I'm not really a spiritual kind of person. And I think that having an ayahuasca experience is the closest thing I will get to having some kind of spiritual experience. It's, it all sounds very cool, man. And it, it, it captivates me. It does. I really like the sound of this kind of thing. And just for those people out there who don't know, when you drink the ayahuasca, uh, you're likely to have the shits. We call it here in the UK. You know, <laughs> so you're going to be having diarrhea and possibly vomiting as well during the experience, right? Yeah, it's a purgative. And uh, right, yeah, it's a purgative. By, yeah. by a purgative, it can make you throw up and it can also make you defecate, as you say, have the shits. But, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's all that's all prepared for. There's an actual real purpose behind it, mm. you know, and ayahuasca is considered a great healer, like it's a tremendous medicine. People come mm -hmm. to it with all sorts of problems. They have trauma. They have life issues. They have, um, you know, depression sometimes, anxiety disorders, all different things. There's also people who come that are perfectly healthy that want to explore and have the experience. And some people come for spiritual awakening and like you're talking about. But for people who are actually sick and, and they take it, uh, people report that they actually purge their mental illness right out of them, sometimes vomiting and sometimes through defecation. And so you go to the toilet and you just literally with the shits gone depression mm, mm, just right there. Yeah. And they recognize it. it's an unbelievable experience. So um, there's that to it, you know, too. So there is that, that purgative quality. Yeah. How many, how many times have you been a shaman? Like how many, how many experiences have you witnessed happening? Well, I myself have hosted like where I drink ayahuasca with other people over 1,500 ceremonies. Wow. So you have taken ayahuasca over uh, 1,000 times? Yes. Wow, bro. Now, yeah. Are you confused of which reality is the real one now? <laughs> uh, no, there's only one reality, but most people don't live in it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, they Man. just want to refuse truth. So, mm. you know, hey, that's okay. So uh, how would you explain the the whole experience of the ayahuasca experience so you, say people travel down to your retreat where you are what, what would happen then what, what's the whole process of the whole thing yeah so you know people come for uh six days and the first day we we you know get everybody out to the lodge where we're going to have the experience and so we you know we meet in a at a hotel and um they take us in buses to the port and then we get in these speed boats. We go down the Amazon, which is really cool to have a Damn, you know, cool. ride on the Amazon. So you get to like go into the forest on these boats on the Amazon, which is a really special experience in its own right. And then it takes about an hour and a half and we arrive at the lodge and the lodge is beautiful. It's a like a really great oasis in this incredible forest to be there for the retreat. And uh, that afternoon we uh, we have a uh, lecture like an orientation just on what to expect and how to be able to navigate the ceremony and and what we're doing and then we drink ayahuasca that night together so first night we're right into ceremony and then we do two ceremonies and then we have a night off and then we do two ceremonies and then we we head back and um you know so it's four ceremonies in total and yeah. i explain every step of the way how it goes down it's a very repeatable arc um where you go through the first ceremonies where you have an introduction, the second ceremonies, you go deeper, the third ceremonies, everything opens up and there's this real expansion to the, to the visions and the experience everyone has. And then in the fourth uh, ceremony, I like to introduce everybody to the infinite 
So to the, you know, infinity of this universe and to source and to, you know, uh, so you're really, gradually really increasing deep. the dose. Is that what you're doing? Like the first dose you're doing like half and then three quarters or. No, yeah. and it's not just dose. It's also how you actually guide the visionary experience. So mm. I think what's you know unique about this is that there's a, a real guiding that takes place both in the framing of the ceremony and then also during it. And so mm. uh, it changes things, but dose is specific to each person because it's so strong. So you want to find the right dose for the person, not just more. Because more mm. can actually be, you know, very much too much. Like an equivalent, imagine giving somebody who didn't know much about cannabis, like 500 milligrams of edibles, mm -hmm. you know, and they might have like a really intense, like maybe even psychosis experience. So you have to be careful yeah. about it. Uh, yeah. See what you mean? Yeah. Damn. So they drink this stuff that on the first day, for example, and what starts to happen is it about half hour it starts to kick in they need to lie down what's the whole process there yeah so the, we start by you know serving the ayahuasca and everyone gets their portion and then uh, anywhere from five minutes to an hour it takes to really start kicking in some people really fast and other people much longer yeah there's no real rhyme or reason for that so it just could be metabolism it could be the state mm -hmm. of their stomach if they have food in it or not mm -hmm. you know you try to fast during from lunch to the ceremony, but, um, you know, you just kind of, you, we sit there, we start to guide everybody. And then we start to hold the ceremony itself, which has, uh, instrumentation. There's percussive instruments that are used like drums or rattles or a local instrument called a shakapa, which is a leaf rattle. And, uh, it starts to induce a trance state. And then the ayahuasca goes through a, a real consistent phases of onset vision. And then the landing, you know, the come down. And so you go through onset together and that's when, you know, most of the purging happens and that can be intense for people because they can experience very strong emotions, uh, chaotic thinking, very rapid thinking. Uh, you know, if you start having the thoughts like, oh my God, I've had too much, mm -hmm. you know, like that yeah. can get really I can't hard. breathe. I can't breathe. You know, and then you can't breathe. It's like, don't freak out. Don't freak out. You know, <laughs> exactly. You got that, you know? So mm -hmm, you, we have mm -hmm. to get through that. We have to get through the the difficult parts. And um, and then it goes into vision and vision is just really beautiful. I mean, vision is like a very, very deep, uh, colorful, uh, kaleidoscopic geometry that opens up. And beyond that opens up all sorts of realms of visions where people say that they see spirits or entities or deities mm. and actually interact with them. And it goes into a, a space of vision that's eyes wide open, eyes shut the same. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you if you have your eyes open, you're seeing the same things. Uh, people report seeing uh, beings walk right out of the forest, right into the room and start performing healing and medicine on people. And um, they also hear the forest singing with them, connecting wow. with them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's recordings of it where the forest just sounds like, you know, the forest at night, like a bunch of insects. And then the shamans start to chant and play the instruments. And then the whole forest starts to go into rhythm with them. All the wow. chaotic sounds start to sink. Uh, like grasshoppers and cicadas start changing their frogs, change their rhythm. Like the whole forest nature starts to like, get into the ceremony. It's really interesting. Yeah. That's so, so cool, that happens. Man. Yeah. And then the purging can happen. And then, uh, you know, for most people, it's a it's a really positive experience. Like for mm -hmm. say for more than nine out of ten people, it's an it's an incredibly positive experience. They might come out of it and say, Yeah, they're you know, wow, some of that got really intense or it got scary for a bit, you know, but they come out of it and they say that was so worth it, or you know, their life is significantly changed in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see that a lot. Uh, a lot of people say that it was life changing. You know, he's, yep. uh, people who, who suffer with addiction as well are seeing stories of that. I mean, of course, you know better because you actually see this stuff in real life. But people who suffer with addiction have gone and done ayahuasca trips and then completely quit smoking, for example, just uh, stop smoking right there and then and, and drinking, you know. And it's so cool to see things like that. And it's just, it's amazing how this plant works, where, you know, these two plants put together the way that they are to produce this drink. It's amazing the things that it does on the brain, man. It fascinates me. Yeah, it does some really interesting things on the brain. Uh, one thing it does is it cleanses the brain, like on a molecular mm. level. And it's been scientifically proven to do that. Um, there's a phenomena where 
uh, oxygen will actually like ox uh, oxidize like rust, you know, like the ends of the the neurons. Right. And and uh, yeah, it's like a like a extra oxygen starts to dock in your brain, and um, it's fascinating that it removes that. And so it like, it literally scrubs your brain at a molecular level. And then that makes you more receptive to your own neurotransmitters. So then your brain's more receptive to your own serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, et cetera, which is like wow. all your, you know, mood moderating uh, chemicals in your brain. And so then it also uh, adjusts the way your body is uh, producing serotonin. So it normalizes your serotonin production and so then your body's more receptive to your own serotonin that now has been normalized. And many people suffer from deficient serotonin. So, you know, mm. then they get mood alteration, real positive uh, brain state change. And that's happening on the, you know, on the physical level. It's crazy how you've done it so many times as well. I mean, Graham Hancock, when we spoke to him, what, what did he say, Monkey? Can you remember? Did he say like 75 times he's done ayahuasca? Yeah, he says he sits for ayahuasca about every other month or every three months, like that. And he's, he's somewhere in the 70s as far as the sessions go. And then you come along and say, yeah, that's nothing, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. So yeah, what I, have you learned from ayahuasca? What's your experience? I, I suppose it's all been good. Have you had any terrifying experiences? But oh, happened? yeah. I mean, you, have, mm. you have a lot of terrifying experiences. But, you know, that doesn't mean a bad experience. That means mm -hmm. I got scared. Yeah, that means you were right. trying I mean, to learn something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally, like, oh, I got scared. Well, why? You know, what? Why did I get scared? Maybe mm -hmm. it's teaching me about fear itself. Maybe it's teaching me how to calm down. Maybe it's teaching me to, you know, to release things that are blocked in me that have to do with fear or like paranoia's or stuff like that. You know, so mm -hmm. it's such a, um, you know, that big of a deal. I think the, the beauty in it is that we get an opportunity to learn to turn off our fear. And in our lives, we learn to turn it on. Like we weren't born freaking out, right? Like babies aren't all scared all the time. And then as a society, we become really scared uh, in general. And mm -hmm. we kind of all live with like this deep, you know, seated kind of, you know, unconscious or subconscious fears in us. And so um, it gives us an opportunity to actually learn how to turn that off. And I think some of the greatest gifts that it that has shown me is uh, that spirit is real. And it, un it sits underneath all matter. And so like, like, while we don't have a lot of spiritual experience that we can relate to, like the whole universe itself is mystical and spiritual. Mm -hmm. And it taught me that, uh, you know, that, that there is a unified force that is what I call source, that is like the origin of everything. And that that origin is part of the universe. It's not separate from the universe. And it taught me that, you know, fundamentally there's a purpose to our lives and that it's not just some random series of events that creates our lives, but that we're actually part of a much bigger thing that's happening and that it's, uh, it's contextual. It has like real meaning to us. And it showed me that we have free will and choice in our lives to, to learn how to, to guide and direct ourselves through our decisions. And it showed me too, that there's, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're already eternal. And that while the body is ultimately shed, uh, like a, you know, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. When we shed our body, we are fundamentally a, a, a like a deeper uh, being. Some people call it soul. Some people call it spirit, but we're already that thing. And so there's nothing to be fair to, fearful of about life at all. And that we can ultimately learn to embrace it. Yeah, so cool, man. It's something that I have to do. I think it's an experience that I really do need to try the whole ayahuasca thing. But you know, like many people, I'm terrified of it. The same thing, and I've done plenty of research <laughs> on it. Like, yeah, I've got to do this, but at the same time, it's like, damn, that's why? scary. Why? Why is it scary? What's scary? Yeah, you know, just uh, you know, the power of it. The because do you, you suffer? Do you suffer ego death when you have uh, ayahuasca? Is that something that people experience? I think ego transcendence is the way I'd like to think right. of it. But yeah, that's yeah, definitely I mean, a better yeah. way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ego transcendence. I mean, like you wake up from, you know, the confines of your ego, but mm. some people, because of that, they think they're dying. Right. Yeah. But they think that that's them tripping on their own thoughts. It's like, you got to get out of those, those negative thoughts and get into mm -hmm. positive thoughts. Like if you're thinking at all, you're not dead. 
mm-hmm. you know, but <laughs> very true. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're thinking, dude, like wake up. But you, it's Because that's what concerns me the most is when I've been, I've been so mashed on so many different things. And, you know, on the verge of freaking out on the other occasion. And then just like, you are, no, you know, you are on some heavy drugs right now and you're freaking out because of those like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can calm down. But exactly. if I don't have that ego to speak to myself, then, you know, that, that seems uh, scary to not sure. be able to do that. But uh, you, know, you just have to I, fully go in it. Mm-hmm, for you sure. Just, just let go surrender go to the Alaska. Yeah. You got to go mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. once you go and you don't, you're not trying to stay like in the room, right? Like I'm trying to stay here. Or, like I'm not going anywhere. You just, you just go. Mm-hmm. It's like you mm-hmm. go into a meditation. It'd be like, it'd be like if you just, you know, had a lot of cannabis and it started to get strong and you were just like, Hey, I'm going to chill. I'm going to relax. And then little by little, the, you know, the space you're in the room, you're in is gone and you're just, you're somewhere else. And, you know, now you're in the visions and you're just somewhere else. And if you relax like that into it, then it's not scary at all. It's so crazy to think about you just somewhere else. Well, yeah, that's real. I mean, that part is real. You really are somewhere else. Like you experience the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You come back to the room and, and you hear the, you know, the shamans chanting mm-hmm. and you're like, where that, where was I? And then it'll take you again. And wow. you, sometimes you see like, uh, like these kind of portals form in your vision. Like there'll be this, you know, kaleidoscopic sacred geometry, um, like fractals and beautiful colors. And then they'll form like a, you know, like a wormhole or they'll form like a portal and you'll just feel yourself like going like right out of body, right through them. And then you appear somewhere else. And then, you know, in that somewhere else space, you're still alive. You're like fully conscious. It's fully you, but you know, it's just not connected to your body or like the physical room anymore at all. What does it look like in this other place? Uh, It's always different. I mean, that's why people talk about like machine elves or like crazy clowns, or some people see, you know, animals and that's what Mm -hmm. they call spirits because they see like these animal beings or they see these light beings or sometimes it's physical and, you know, People say they go to like other planets and stuff. And sometimes it's like just amorphic uh, energy fields, which would be like being inside clouds of energy, you know, and just, mm-hmm. and sometimes, uh, sometimes people uh, see things that look very much like outer space. Sometimes it's like they're underwater. Sometimes it's like they're, you know, in a different part of the earth or a different, different place of, of land. Some people actually like go and visit other people that they know. And then they call them up the next day and say like, hey, you know, I was in this ayahuasca ceremony in the Amazon, but, you know, I saw you in like London and you were wearing like blue shoes or something. And the person's like, yeah, I wore blue shoes yesterday. You know, <laughs> like they really like ran into them. It's crazy. Like that, you know, those things are like very real. That's, that's awesome, man. That's it. It's like it's a spiritual experience having this ayahuasca. You know, it's something that I feel like I need to do. It's so fucking cool. But we yeah, have a question from a, a listener but from Firetop, yeah. and it's a it's a valid question as well because it is also something that concerns me. It's like, how does it affect breathing and heart rate in the physical sense? Because he says my fear is about I'd have a heart attack or something if something started to go south. Do you have anything like that ever happen, or is that a risk? So first of all, you you have to pre-screen somebody medically to know that they're safe to be able to drink ayahuasca. Right. And so you have to have a, a healthy enough heart that you could go through. It would be seen as like intense, you know, like intense exercise, mm-hmm. you know, like so if you did get scared and your heart really did start pumping, you would be safe enough with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But no more than like, you know, getting on a treadmill or an exercise bike or you know, going for a jog or something like that. It's not like some crazy fit of, of exercise, right? Or crazy mm-hmm. state of fitness. Like you just have to be able to have your heart beat strong. And so some people have heart conditions that are, you know, counterindicated because of that. But like, if you have like, in essence, a normal heart, you're fine. Um, the, in terms of breathing, um, there's that really interesting uh, state that occurs when you go into trance which is that you don't need to breathe very often compared to like normal breathing so a lot of people uh report that they like breathe like i don't know like once every minute or once every two minutes like a Mm -hmm. big breath but the body does it naturally and uh there's literally no accounts of people like stopping breathing or hyperventilating 
to a point of like a problem. Uh, yeah. What <laughs> what happens is like if you hyperventilate too much, it like supercharges the experience. And so you actually want to like calm that down, you know, because if you just it's you hyperventilating, right? Like people do that in breath work and they make mm -hmm. themselves go into an altered state. So you want to learn to just you know, calm your breath. But if you're if you're basically like healthy, uh, you don't have any problems at all. Nice. That's good to know. What do you think, Monkey? You're Southeast USA. That's only about a half hour drive away from the Amazon, right? Half hour drive? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. nah, not exactly too much, no. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as curious about psycho psychedelics as you are, Mackie, but I did mm -hmm. have a question, though, relating to cannabis. How does cannabis fall into your work? Yeah, I mean, cannabis, I think, is an incredible medicinal plant, and it's one of the ones that we teach uh, through the academy. Um, for me personally, cannabis came strong into my life after I had a nerve damage from a motorcycle accident mm -hmm. and I was, uh, using it as a medicinal plant, both for pain and then, um, also for dealing with the, the mental side of pain, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, chronic pain. So there's like, actually like, you know, the cannabinoids that, that treat pain, but then there's also like the fact that there's a stress associated with it. So I was using it in a kind of a calming way and a meditative way. And, um, you know, I found it to be incredibly powerful and I, I really got interested in the different kinds of effects of the different strains mm -hmm. and became really fascinated by it. So, uh, ultimately worked with hundreds of strains to kind of map each one to understand how, uh, it was uniquely different from each different strain mm -hmm. and, um, got really interested in how we could use it medicinally and, um, yeah, like really enjoy it. And so. For me personally, it's been an um, like a very, very uh, positive plant. And, uh, you know, I think it's fascinating how there's this expanding culture and all over the world now around its use and uh, like just how uh, sophisticated it's become, right? Like the, the grow operations and the amount of science that's now been put into it is fascinating. And mm -hmm. uh, the quality is incredible. Well, I don't know mm -hmm. if everybody else would agree with this, but I, I think I honestly believe that I have had some visionary type effects from cannabis when done correctly, like smoke enough, get into a dark, quiet room and have have the fractals come to me, have, have some of the visions, have a, not everything, but let's say some some mild effects of what you were describing with ayahuasca come into me because maybe I took a little bit too much cannabis and I'm just kind of letting my mind work through it. So. I honestly believe in the right combinations and at the right dosage that there is something there. Yeah, I agree with that completely. We had full-blown visionary effects with it. And, um, you know, that might also have been because we had worked with the other plants so that our brains are already attuned to going into those states. But we shared it with, you know, hundreds of people with the purpose of it being a connecting experience. And mm -hmm. they also reported having that exactly like the way you describe it we would be in a dark space it would be calm and quiet everyone would get really relaxed there would be large doses uh you know and it was like i said a controlled environment and we would stay there through that experience and people would report fractals and feeling very connected they would feel like you could see through like you know in like the mind's eye see through the walls and connect mm -hmm. with the forest beyond them and that it was a, a very powerful form of connection and for us Is that very through edibles plant. or smoking well, it was smoking, vaping, edibles, like all the different cool. means of ingestion. I don't know for monkey. How was it for you? Uh, mine was actually done with smoking mostly, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I could actually see where edibles could do that. I've had experiences where edibles get real strong, but sometimes with me, with edibles, there's a little bit of anxiety that, that kind of rolls through my head too, if, if I'm over on edibles. So that can kind of fight that trip that you're talking about. Cause I find that I need to get into a very deep relaxation. I need to, like, as you said, accept the experience because then I can have the experience. And mm -hmm. if I'm fighting it, I don't have a good experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's spot on. And, you know, in that way, I think cannabis can be really powerful for that. I was blown away by how powerful it was. Like I it, have so much respect for it. Yeah, it seems like actually once you use cannabis to cross into that space, like right now, I know where that space is. It's kind of like you almost train your mind. You know how to get back there now. You know, OK, you just got to get to a certain state of mind and a certain state of, of, of cannabis and the two can connect and you can I can literally find my way back there pretty easily these days, which is wonderful. I love that about these plants. Yeah, I agree mm -hmm. with that completely. And it, it's like 
It's the same thing with meditating without the plants. It takes a while to kind of grasp it and then you can just do it and you train it. And I think it's the same thing with these. And uh, I agree with the way that you're, you know, the way your approach is our approach. Do you find, do you find that through this plant training that people can actually take this back in their own life and actually when they get into situations, use these meditations and plant experiences and actually have these corrective measures without actually using the plants anymore? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of the the training. It's like uh, the plant is teaching you how to uh, be in an altered state, right? It's teaching you how to use your mind in new ways mm-hmm. if you want it to. And I think the diff- I think a, a big difference is a lot of people never know that that's even possible. And so they don't ever train it. They don't even try. They just, you know, what we always say is that you trip whatever you're doing. So, you know, if somebody's just sitting there thinking, then that becomes their experience. If somebody's there connecting, that becomes their experience. And then you learn it. And then beyond the plants, you have that ability once you've learned it. Yeah, I can, I can relate that kind of to a roller coaster, if you will. You know, the first time on a, on a big, giant roller coaster, you have a lot of anxiety going up that first hill. And it's, it's one hell of a ride the first time. But second time, it's more fun and easier because you don't have that fear anymore. So you remove the fear and enjoy the experience. Exactly. And for me, it was an idea that you could explore with cannabis. Like what I really liked about it was uh, I found that it really, for me, really big doses, it was still manageable. Whereas Mm -hmm. really big doses of other kinds of psychedelics weren't manageable. Right. And it would just become very difficult. But and like you say, the anxiety and fear and, you know, those kinds of things would come in. But in my experience of exploring with cannabis, we were able to uh, consume for us, which were large amounts. I don't know how that, you know, stacks up with everyone else. But for us, it was large amounts that uh, that actually always was a manageable state. So we could stay relaxed, we could stay in it, and we could, you know, seek that visionary uh, space through those through cannabis as a, a means of it, like as the plant. I imagine it's just a little bit of a different, different journey. Ayahuasca will be one, DMT, another one, cannabis, totally different experience, but probably all very similar in their effects as far as the therapeutic part of it goes. Yeah. And, and also teaching, right? Like by having that experience, you learn something because yeah, before you that. didn't have it. Now you have it. And now you're like, oh, I didn't even know that that existed. <laughs> That's a very teaching thing. And I found uh, cannabis to be a great teacher that way. Man, I would love it if we get the politicians, all of these people who say cannabis is horrible and all these things like that. Let them have an experience and let them see what they're really dealing with here. Well, I think the propaganda machine, you know, is the the big issue because oh, yeah. it keeps people from having the experiences themselves and then see that the, the propaganda is literally the exact opposite of what's true. Yeah. You know, oh, and yeah. I've even seen that in the ayahuasca space amongst the people in it. A lot of people who, who are describing the ayahuasca as the real scary stuff are really talking about their ego. They're not talking about ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Right. They are the ones who got scared. Like, oh my God, it made me so scared. It's like, no, you got really scared. You just need to learn how to calm down. And I feel that same thing about cannabis. The negative propaganda about cannabis that you know doesn't take into account all the positive accounts of everybody that is you know receiving healing from it real medicine from it life trans like positive life transformational events from it i have to agree with you with that i mean cannabis Mm -hmm. and and the psychedelics let's let's lump it all together has incredible benefit that it could be could give to society but we're unfortunately we're mired in propaganda, you know. The yes. government still hasn't hasn't it? We are all controlled by us. crooks. Exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> Get, come on, Mackie. That sounds like a rant. Let me move a question that's in chat. I don't think we've covered this one yet. Firetop is asking: uh, Have yeah, people yeah. Who, have people who have done this? Uh, I think he's referring to your ayahuasca. Have people who have done this uh, ever been lost or traumatized in any way after they come back around? Uh, yes, there are cases of people saying that they feel like they've had trauma from how intense the experience can be. And right. uh, it's important to understand then, you know, who you're doing this with in terms of like your facilitators and do they have a good way to understand uh, how to support you through that experience so that that doesn't happen. And so that okay. comes down really into like the ethics of practice. And it's why, especially with ayahuasca, you're told to not do it by yourself and to have somebody who's really trained with you. And in the traditional cultures, there's like a trained medicine person who is the facilitator for these ceremonies. So it is something to watch out for and be careful about. And I, you know, 
I don't see any reason to create more trauma, especially when people are there trying to heal trauma. Now, in terms mm -hmm. of like never coming back, um, that doesn't happen for ayahuasca unless they put other stuff in it. And you also need to be careful about that because there's a lot of admixtures in different recipes. And there are like the real um, ancestral indigenous like lineage recipes. And then there's, you know, just stuff out there. Like you would hear about, you know, uh, just bad things going into any kind of substance. And so you need mm -hmm. to make sure that you have, you know, the right ayahuasca prepared by the right people that know how to, to use it and handle it and, uh, and work with it in a responsible way. Yeah, no, I think it, with ayahuasca, it is a good idea to go on one of these retreats, man, be in the right setting. And being in the Amazon, it just seems like the right place to be, to be going on an ayahuasca experience. What's the home hut. of the plants? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, man, it'd be such a fucking great experience as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to do it one day. You know, I've just got to wait like another 10 years so the kids are older. And, you know, then they're all <laughs> old enough to look after themselves. And then they'll be like, I'm off and going to the Amazon. <laughs> I'll be back in about two weeks. Damn. It's so cool. So you don't just work with ayahuasca either. Do you do cannabis retreats as well? In the, and San Pedro, did you say? Yeah, uh, I've worked extensively with San Pedro and cannabis. And cool. uh, right now we're not hosting cannabis retreats, but we are training people on how to do that. And we do host, uh, yeah, San Pedro Wachuma retreats. So what's the most, I grow San Pedro. I have a San Pedro cactus and she's lovely. Uh, what's the experience like with San Pedro? That's mescaline, is it? Yeah, it's a mescaline based cactus. Um, well, the experience is long. It starts out, you know, it's you're looking at anywhere from like 12 to 20 hours Oof. of experience. So take it in man. the morning. Damn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There are there's cultures that take it in the morning and take it in the evening, but the evening ones, they go all night. Um, I've trained in a daytime culture where we take mm -hmm. it in the morning mm -hmm. and you go all day. Um, takes anywhere from two to four hours to go through onset. And uh three to four hours is pretty common you're starting to kind of peak by eight hours to 10 hours. And then, you know, like I say, anywhere from 12 to 20 hours to be fully out the other side of it. Um, first, there's kind of like a warming of the body, uh, a recognition that it's happening. And then um, you start to feel really connected with nature all around you. You feel connected to your body, connected to the earth, connected to plants. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as it starts to get stronger, um, the kind of division we normally have from these other natural elements starts to dissolve. So people feel like the plants are communicating with them. Um, like they say they can see the plants breathing, like they, the plants emanate this energy that they can see that the plants actually share and breathe. Um, seems like the other, you know, animals like birds and stuff like that come in play and get involved. Um, and then people go through also their own healing. Some people can purge. It's not, like common, like ayahuasca, but some people may vomit or use the toilet um, just from the fact that they were, you know, consuming the cactus itself. And then, uh, and then there can be very strong visions. So there can be, you know, like I say, a good six, eight hours of visions where, wow. um, yeah, and that can be uh, aware of the space around you or just completely gone during that period of time. So it's uh, a lot like acid, like LSD. A lot of people say that there's commonalities, yeah, but uh, mm -hmm. also unique in its own right. Yeah, the writer, Aldous Huxley, he took mescaline and he wrote a book about it called The Doors of Perception. And I read that mm -hmm. like 20 years ago, man. And I still remember bits of it where he's talking about uh, like the creases in his trousers have come to life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just the, the pleats down the middle of his trousers, you know, and the, and the flowers were pouring color off them and things. It just sounds like so cool, man. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to wait for my San Pedro to grow a few years old and then maybe take one of those experiences myself. Because this is the problem being in the UK. You can't source these things. And if you do source them, you can't trust them. You can't know if they are, you know, clean and just containing the active ingredient. You never know. Yeah, nice. I think that's a, the biggest issue. And as it becomes more popular, people have to pay a lot more attention to that too. Because mm -hmm. the, re the real issue is that you you know, you consume something by name that isn't what it actually is. Mm -hmm. So San Pedro is pure and all it has in it is that cactus. That's it. There's mm -hmm. no other mixture. Like that's it. 
Right. So you know, you, now what happens you, if somebody gives you something that's cut, you know, they add cut or added other things to it? Well, that's not San Pedro anymore in a traditional mm-hmm. sense. I don't even know what to call that thing. Yeah. That's a cocktail of some kind. Exactly. No. But uh, do you grow your own San Pedros and do you grow your own plants for the ayahuasca or thing? Is this just all sourced and made on site with you guys? Uh, both. So we uh, we grow and we also know people that are reputable that we source through. That awesome. all practice sacred cultivation. So all That's of the so stuff cool, we man. use is is sacredly cultivated so that we know the origin and that it's safe. Nice. And then everything on our retreats that we we share with people, we prepare ourselves. So we know Damn. exactly how it's made. We made it ourselves and we know how to, you know, then appropriately dose it, how strong it is and how to how to work with it. So you've been doing this pretty much since you what you say left high school? Is that like 18 years uh, old? Yeah, when that's when I was 20, when I just turned 23. So reasonably young, man. You know, so what, what we, when you was a kid, what did you think you were going to grow up to be? <laughs> <laughs> An astronaut, funny. right? You know, <laughs> not a shaman. <laughs> you know, in no. some ways you are an astronaut. <laughs> Yeah, true. I used, to call it, I used to call it being an inner astronaut. You would go in to go out, I would say. You would go through mm-hmm. the, into the body to go in, then out into outer space. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, in simple ways, I was interested in South America and I was interested in uh, entrepreneurship and I was uh, interested in innovation. And so I kind of, in a way, uh, found those aspects of you know, what I was kind of thinking of in what I did, but not in the way that I would have ever framed. So I started Blue Morpho, which is, you know, our own company and and really glad that it's been a, a great brand and place for people over the years. But it, in reality, we have, we run it, you know, with the proving government as a business. And so, you know, you do that whole thing that's starting a, a company and running one. And then uh, in terms of innovation, we've innovated a ton on the practices and how to support people. And we were part of kicking off the neo-shamanic revolution and supporting, um, you know, people from around the world in these practices. And we were the first group. I was the first Westerner to uh, receive global publications about this kind of work. So we were the first positive publications on plant medicine use and psychedelic plant medicines in a positive light from the time of the war on drugs. Wow. And so it was a, it was a big deal. It was in 2004 Mm. to 2006. And it was right at the height of, you know, propaganda about all the negatives. And we were the first people that, you know, big publications saw that real positives were coming from. We were covered by uh, New York times, national geographic time, um, you know, major uh, news, news outlets around the world, all, all at the same time. And so, um, you know, that happened and it kind of was part of all of that. I fulfilled those things that I thought I would do as a kid, but in this, you know, very uh, unique niche. Hmm. Uh, no, no Monkey Shaman was not on the list. <laughs> I was never thinking like, hey, shaman, you know, I'm gonna be that that guy. Like, when I was told I was going to go and become a shaman, I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> What's that? Got, you know, I, I can't no, sing but, that song. I can't play the oh, drums. No. But, uh, <laughs> oh, no. When I did the first ayahuasca ceremony, I was sitting there and I mean, it turned me inside out. And there was a I guy know. there like the, the, the master shaman was there and he was fine. You know, he was like, just fine. He was looking at me like something was wrong, you know? And, <laughs> no. I, like, and I was inside out. I was like lying in my own vomit. I was oh, covered Lord. in sweat and mosquitoes. Like this was a tough experience for me. And I really thought to myself, like, I don't think I could ever do this. Like who does this? You know, who can actually <laughs> sit through this? Like I couldn't sit through it. It was, it was so intense. But then uh, ultimately, as you get trained, you, you learn how to do that, you know? And it's like for this whole interview, it's been so fascinating. Everybody listening is going to be like, oh, this sounds really cool. I want to do this. And then you've just been like, I was so mashed and was lying there on my own vomit. And people are <laughs> it's like, hmm, maybe I don't want to do this. <laughs> the visual, well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I will. Uh, I will. I will caveat that, that the guy gave me a massive hero dose. And uh, oh, a hero dose is sure. a damn. Uh, I'm not sure. I would recommend that for people on their first experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So I think he was sort of like, hey, kid, you want to see what this is about? And he just oh, like geez. really laid into me, right? <laughs> no, no, that's it. There's like no kids gloves here in the Amazon, especially in, you know, in 20 years ago. So it was kind of you know unheard of that I would go kind of by myself out there and just look for someone who did this and say, you know, hey, would you, you know, would you help me? Yeah. Out? Let me have an experience. So they gave me what ultimately turned out to be a massive, massive dose. And on the note of that, the very first ayahuasca I drank wasn't just pure ayahuasca. It had an admixture in it called Toei, which is a relative of Datura. And it's actually considered very dangerous. And oh, it's oh. extremely hallucinatory in its own right. And uh, the, the guy had, had put a lot of that in this brew. And I would also not recommend that. So two major things happened that I would not recommend now that, that caused that experience. But, uh, but it was fascinating. No, it's just crazy how these things are just plants that can essentially be picked, mixed together and consumed. And you're just going to be taken to a completely different universe, man. It's madness. It's, it's, it's like, wow, you know, it doesn't have to be made in a lab. Not at all. I mean, that's what's so fascinating about this is that fundamentally what we're talking about is a tea. Mm, so, you know, yeah. you, 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 you have, you have high tea. Well, this is a different kind of that. Mm -hmm. And we had a, an interesting question here from Firetop as well. He's, uh, what route would you suggest to take in order to take a spiritual journey, not a festival journey? I don't know the right terms, but you know, say for example, when you take an acid and you're going out to a rave, you take some acid, you know, you're dancing around, it's good times, but then you can also do the same kind of hallucinogens to have a spiritual experience. So how would you uh, how would you suggest to people listening to take their steps into the psychedelic journey rather than a festival journey, for example? Set and setting, right? It's just all about set and setting. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think it starts in your intention, right? So the intention mm. is like, what am I doing? Like my intention is, oh, I want to have a ceremonial experience with this. I don't want a festival experience. Like not saying one's better or worse than the other, but just picking mm. what you want to, what you want, what you're doing. And then you you got to set it up. So like Monkey was saying about, you know, with cannabis, like having a, a quiet, dark place, there aren't mm -hmm. any distractions there. It that's right. that's the place you're setting up. You want it to be comfortable. You want it to have everything you need right then, because when you when you go in, you don't want to have to be like, oh, I forgot water or no nope. oh, God, I need a blanket. Mm -hmm. Like you don't mm -hmm. want anything that's you know that's like disruptive to that. So you uh you, you know, you make sure you have all that stuff up front, like right there, right next to you. So, you know, it's easy. You have it in a place where you can remember where you put it. So you're not like trying to get a flashlight or turn the lights on. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like you got your kit of, of, of what you need to be comfortable there. And then um, it's really helpful if you have, uh, you know, some kind of instrumental accompaniment like music, but not like listening to EDM or something, but more like just straight drumming or, mm -hmm. um, you know, like a, a, a track that just has rattles, maybe some like light chanting, but like typically it's even better if it's just instrumental and it's just repetitive. So like there's like good Buffalo drum tracks and uh, they just go doom, 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 doom. You know, it's like you put that on and then you, you uh, so now, so you set your intention Darkness is helpful to have the lights out. Some mm -hmm. people like to like light a candle or something, but I like it just in, you know, darkness. And then, um, and then there's the, the goal is having the ceremony, having this connection. So part of this is like, okay, you, you have your, your substance, whatever it is you're going to use, like you're using mushrooms or, you know, a lot of people now are using ketamine and combinations of like ketamine and mushrooms, ketamine and uh, cannabis and stuff, but say in this case, you have mushrooms, you, you tell the mushrooms what you, what you're doing. Like you just talk to them. Like, you're like, Hey, I'm doing this for a reason. This is my reason. You just tell them your reason, right? It might feel a little weird if you've never like talked to a plant before, but you just tell it like you would tell your mate, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to tell your friend like, Hey, I'm doing this. You tell them and then you take them and, uh, you know, and then you wait and you just relax and, uh, you know, I think there's some like things you can do to, to sort of like chill out, which is really helpful. Like there's some gentle breathing exercises you can do. 
So I like just like long, slow, gentle breaths that just calm me down, especially through onset. And, um, and really that's it. I mean, that's like the starting point and that would be a great experience. Mm -hmm. Sounds like fun, man. It's making make me want to take one of these tabs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, that's it. You have to really do prepare yourself for this kind of thing as well. Everybody, you know, yeah. But mentally preparing yourself and being ready for it, uh, like Hamilton said here, you know, make sure you got all your shit ready. You, you make sure you have your water, yeah, everything you're gonna need throughout the trip. But make sure that you're mentally prepared for it as well. You know, make sure there's not gonna be any disturbances. You got nothing coming from Amazon that might land in half an hour. <laughs> you know, halfway through the trip, and then the doorbell rings. You don't want that kind of thing happening. Make sure that's covered. But uh, I, I recommend to everybody that they should have some kind of psychedelic psychedelic experience at some point in their life, man. It's uh, it's part of the human experience, in my opinion. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't even know what life would have been without it. It would have mm -hmm. been dull. Yeah. You know, these experiences help you, you know, realize that there's more going on. And... I think it's hard to understand that when you don't have the experience to go with it. So it's like just belief or just faith or it's someone else's story. Mm. But that, that to me is not good enough. Like, I think if you have the experience, you know, you can come out away from it and, and then you've been impacted and then you can like wrestle with that. You can, you know, integrate that. You can figure that out. Like you're saying, you know, for you to have a, a spiritual experience or something like this would be new for you. Well, that'd be an amazing thing. But like mm -hmm. spirit wasn't really real for me until I until I was interacting with it. And I went, oh, now I understand what somebody these guys were talking about. Like, oh, that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. I get it now. You know, Ooh. just like if somebody were like describing to you a, a, a phone and you had never seen a phone or or used a phone or even known a phone existed, you'd be like, that's crazy. Like, what, what do you mean a phone? Like, I don't get it. But then they show it to you and you use it and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. And so I think mm. that's why this is so important because you have the spiritual experience through, you know, it doesn't have to be what you call spiritual. It can be like, oh, I get it. That's what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then with that, you can decide for yourself what that is. But I think anything for me, anything that helps broaden your horizons, lets you have like a better understanding of how vast life is, something that helps open your mind, something that challenges some of those things that make us rant is just really mm -hmm. important especially now because like there's a lot of mind control stuff going on a lot of propaganda a lot mm -hmm. of misinformation and so you know having some tools and some things that help us see through that and be clear within ourselves and centered is you know really important having your choice like feeling like you really do you know have the clarity over your choices very important in today's day and age mm -hmm. i need to do an ayahuasca trip man i want to come and visit how, so what's what can our listeners do to come and visit you on your retreat and possibly partake in one of these experiences yeah please do <laughs> that'd be great so you uh it's pretty easy actually just go online and go to bluemorphotours.com or go to bluemorphoacademy.com how do you spell blue morpho just to make sure that's yeah correct b-l-u-e like the color m-o-r-p-h-o tours.com and b-l-u-e-m-o-r-p-h-o academy.com and uh, you can find me on social media at uh, blue morpho retreats and uh hamilton souther and you can google my name and a ton of stuff will come up um and there's a bunch of other you know podcasts and interviews i've done and a bunch of books on amazon as well and so if you're interested we would love to have you come down and and have these experiences with us they've they're amazing We've had, you know, successful outcomes with tens of thousands of people. And Damn. so we're, you know, really confident in our ability mm -hmm. to safely guide you. Yeah, for sure, man. If you want to do it anyway. Yeah, it's important to have those experienced people around you. You know, it's better to have these people around so you feel more comfortable instead of just sitting on your own. I mean, sitting on your own is okay. It's all good. But to know that you have help if you need it, if you feel like you're freaking out. And there's people there to help you out in the proper setting. That's going to help you out shitloads, man. To go on one of these retreats would be uh, fucking awesome, I think. You know, it's like, the kids want to go Disneyland. It's like, no, it's going to have to wait, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, this is don't like go adult to Disneyland. Disneyland. This yeah, is yeah. Adult Disneyland. Man, it just sounds so cool, man. And it's so spiritual and eye-opening, it seems. 
that from what I've heard of all of the people who have done it, just they all fucking have an incredible experience, man. And that's what we should always be seeking in life, you know, just incredible experiences. It's very cool. Are you tempted, monkey? Um, put it this way, I'm, I'm, I'm less afraid of it at this point. How's that? Nice, nice. That's good. That's a good step. That's a good step. Well, I mean, it sounds like Hamilton actually knows what he's talking about. He's done this more than once. You know what I mean? It's not like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I looked on the internet, found this guy. I'm going to trust him. That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's it. But people can get to know you a little bit better from this interview, I hope, and they can check it out and go down there and check out your uh, retreats, man, because I'm definitely interested. I'm going to have a look. But damn. That's much appreciated. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, no, thank you, man. Thank you for coming to join us and talking about this stuff. As I say, usually we're a cannabis podcast, but sometimes we like to take that step into the psychedelics. Well, at least I do. You know, it's uh, part and parcel, man. Sometimes this stuff needs to be said. It's all very interesting. I appreciate it. I love cannabis too. So, you know, I think Mm -hmm. that's something that that people can understand and need to understand is that it's, it's not just one or the other. And that these things actually go really, really well together. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. cannabis is a, has been, like I said, a tremendous support and ally and friend and a plant that I'll always have a tremendous respect for. Mm-hmm. For sure. I agree. Yeah, man. So we'll, we'll, we want to say thank you again for coming to join us, Hamilton. It's been eye-opening, man. It's been very enjoyable. And thanks for coming to take some time to come and chat for us for an hour or so. That's absolutely thanks Mackie. thanks monkey it's a pleasure and uh, it's a great podcast so thanks for having me yeah man thanks thanks for joining us nice we'll just let you go we'll wave there you go hamilton take care man all right bye thanks imagine it i'm waving bye And there we go, everybody. That was Hamilton Souther. If you want to know more about Hamilton, then just head to his website, which is bluemorphoacademy.com. You can also find him on Twitter and Instagram. If you just search for Hamilton Souther, you will be able to find him. And of course, ask him any questions you like. He's open to answering any of your questions if any of you are curious about any of the retreats that he does. But super cool, man. I would love to go on one of those retreats one day in the future. But of course, the time isn't right right now. But hopefully in the future... It's on the bucket list. Hopefully one day I can get to go on one of those ayahuasca retreats because it sounds very, very cool. Don't forget to check out more information about Hamilton on his website at Blue Morpho Academy. And as usual, thank you very much for downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate every single one of these downloads. So thank you very much for being here and downloading and listening to the show. It would be great if you could share it, but of course, no pressure. Just thank you as always for being here. I hope you enjoyed the interview and we'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides. Stay high, stay safe, and we'll see you then. Goodbye.